You're listening to What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about creativity, I'm talking about writing, and I'm talking about reinventing yourself through the arts. Right, my name is Backdrop. This is my oh, I love official SAG-AFTRA right. LA delegate backdrop that we used during the convention. I know you're a big you're a big shot. We're starting already. You're a, this. I'm here with Chris Gorham, and he is an actor I worked with many years ago on a show called Out of Practice. He's one of the stars. That was a show with uh, starring Henry Winkler, Stocker Channing, Ty Burrell, Chris Gorham, and and uh, Paul Marshall. It was a great show on CBS and only lasted a season. But Chris. Chris, you're, Chris is about as successful a working actor as you can, short of being like someone like Brad Pitt, who's like you know known across the world. You've done a ton of TV shows, and I'm gonna I'm gonna blow through them real fast here. Okay, um, you can. I I can't talk about them still, but your strike is over, so you can. Yeah, right. So because because Chris is you right. know he's I guess you're he's in SAG, and he's actually you're you're one of the member. You're one of the uh, what do you call yourself? The king. What do you, so <laughs> I'm the king of SAG. <laughs> After, um, uh, no, I, I was elected to be uh, on the LA local board and also mm. elected as a delegate. So that's what this background was 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 our official LA delegate background for the well, delegate for what like for the model UN. What does that mean for the delegate? convention? Yeah, it's well, it's kind of like it's kind of reminiscent of model UN. It's so it's the convention that happens every two years where all the delegates get together and we elect like the executive vice president. There's oh. certain offices that get elected by the delegate membership. I didn't think we have that in the Writers Guild. I think we have a direct democracy. You have, I guess, have a representative democracy. Yeah, yeah. It's a much bigger union. Yeah, right? it so is. It's, it's kind of, How big is yeah. it? How big is you know? About 160,000 members. Wow. And and what is yeah. like, but that, okay, members, but that's active members. And what do you have to be to, to be an active member, you know? Uh, what do you have to be? Like, do you have um, to sell? You, you don't have to work a certain amount or something? No. Uh, once you're in, you can stay in as long as you pay your dues every year. Oh, okay. But then you're yeah. not, that doesn't mean you get health, you have to qualify for health insurance and stuff Correct. like that. Well, it's a big part of the strike. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's one, of, one of our big talking points really is, is only about 13%, I think just under 13% um, uh-huh. earn enough to qualify for our healthcare plan. And, and th- that earn, I mean, that's only about $26,700 a year Yeah, um, to qualify for healthcare. And that's a that's a big deal. I mean, like, you know, yeah. you know healthcare, healthcare. So most people don't realize this. Like, I, and it seems so naive to say this, but I get so many comments when on social media, all these actors are millionaires. Dude, what are you talking about? You can be a working actor and, and book two gigs. You're lucky if you do two gigs a, a year. And you know, well, listen, it's even it's it goes to the heart of what this strike is about. Is that it's worse than people even think. Yeah, because um, uh, just to like. What's the best way to talk about it? Um, so the a big part of our ask uh, during this negotiation is a big increase in uh, the contributions to our health and pension plan by this by the producers. Yeah, right. And the reason is is that they haven't increased it in a long, 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 long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, um, one person could work. Uh, let's say you got paid. Let's say you got hired to do an episode and got paid very well, right? For one episode. Let's say you're getting like, it's a, it's an anthology show. They're paying all the, they're paying like the top two people, like series regulars, mm-hmm. and you're getting like a hundred grand 
for one episode. So you would think $100,000, that is a lot of money for one episode. If I'm doing that, I am clear, definitely qualified. You do not qualify for healthcare because you've only done one episode and the producers only have to contribute up to a certain amount. So even though you've made a hundred grand in one episode, you still have to book another job, at least one more. And, and to you're be not clear, qualify for healthcare. I don't. I don't. I've produced a lot of shows. I don't. I don't recall ever paying a guest star anywhere <laughs> close to a hundred thousand an no, episode. Not even close. No, so no, yeah. no. Like the you know, and the minimums you know have like right now. I think for a drama, the minimums are around nine thousand dollars. Yeah, maybe a little more than that. Right. Um, right. for an episode for for top of show guest star, right? Like the top paid guest yeah. stars on those shows. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Like you can't. And it's become almost impossible to negotiate a rate higher than the yeah. minimums. Right. Um, you can have a quote and, so, and they go, well, that's too bad. This is what we're paying you. <laughs> correct. This is what we're paying you. Yeah. Uh, you know, let, let me, ju- let me, before, let me just run through some of yours so people know who, who we're okay. talking about. Cause this is, you know, some people yeah. are, are listening to it. So Chris is, I'm going to blow through some of his bigger parts, but he works so much. So let's start with Party of Five, where you did four episodes, which I love that show. I just had to mention that. But of course, Popular, you did a ton of those. Felicity, remember that? Uh, Odyssey Five, uh, Jake 2.0, which you started, Medical Investigation, Out of Practice, which I mentioned, Harper's Island, Ugly Betty, Betty La Fea, which I loved, of course, uh, Covert Affairs, and uh, what else? I'm, I'm going through your list here. Full Circle, Two Broke Girls. You worked with two of the Broke Girls. And insatiable, <laughs> the Lincoln lawyer. I mean, and that's just that's just that doesn't include any of your guest stars. So you are an incredibly successful actor, and you know, uh, and you've strung. Actually, I want to I want to hit on something. Sure. So this is this is a little embarrassing on my part. We had a technical. This is our second interview because I had technical <laughs> errors on my part. I'm not that good with technology, even though I've done well over a hundred episodes of this. And um, and Chris graciously graciously allowed me to kind of do this over. But one of the things that you said, the thing that struck me the most during our last talk, which I found incredibly interesting and and humble, because I said to you, Chris, how do you choose your roles? And do you know know Uh, what you said to me? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I I said um, uh, I I should be so lucky. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Yeah. the reality is it's like uh, actors like me. uh, I've had a lot of conversations with actors like me who mm-hmm. start on television shows, multiple television shows, and we all joke about how many times we've been asked in interviews the question, <laughs> "Really, why did you choose this to be your next project? <laughs> right. Well, I wanted to eat. That's why. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Because, you know, I, I think journalists sometimes forget and they think that we're all, you know, to use your example, Brad Pitt and that yeah. we're being sent scripts and we get to, you know, mm-hmm. choose what our next project is. When in reality, that is not at all what happens. Yeah. Um, what happens for the vast majority of us is we are sent auditions. Sometimes we get the scripts. Sometimes we don't. And we uh put ourselves now what used to be going to the casting office now we put ourselves on tape and we mm-hmm. send it off into the void and we hope that we get hired um right. and, and uh, you'll work on a part when you do get the script how long will you spend preparing for that before you submit your oh, tape it's a, it really it, it depends mostly on two things one how many pages it is mm-hmm. and then it depends on how well written it is to be honest um i'm okay. sure you've heard this before go ahead tell me better 
the better the writing, the easier it is to memorize. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And, and explain why that is. Well, the reason is, is because it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like if, if it's written uh, like a human being talks, mm -hmm. um, then the next sentence follows from the sentence before it. You know, like if you can, if you understand the emotion of what's going on, um, then it just makes sense and the dialogue flows and it's just so much easier to memorize. The stuff that's always the hardest is when, you know, when you're the character that's laying pipe and you're just, you mm -hmm. know, you're just spewing out exposition and it's mm -hmm. not really coming, like, you know, listen, the good writers are always trying to like tie it down to like an emotional reality. Right. Um, but sometimes you got to lay pipe and, and it's, that stuff's always the hardest, particularly if it's a bunch of, you know, medical jargon or legal jargon or, yeah um, that kind of stuff is crazy and what people don't also realize i think is you know when you're starting out an actor oh i could play everything i could play a villain i could play a teacher i could play a biker i could play a doctor that's fine when you're in in your high school play but in in <laughs> hollywood like you're going to be cast the part that you are closest to because if if not we're going to we'll cast someone who looks like a biker or who was a biker and we'll cast someone who looks yeah. like a doctor you know right yeah yeah. And so so um, you have to figure out who you are, basically. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, one of the, uh, you know, I went to theater school at UCLA. Right. And I was very lucky because um, during my freshman year, they decided to start a conservatory program within the theater program there. So we all re-auditioned and I got into this conservatory program. So for my last three years, it was conservatory training and I still got my Bachelor of Arts degree from UCLA. It was <laughs> the best of both worlds. Um. Uh, the one of the things that I felt like, you know, a few years out after having it, is I wished they had spent a little bit more time uh, helping us learn how to act like ourselves. <laughs> you know, you spend so much time in theater school learning how right. to uh, stretch your creativity, um, working on your voice, working on your body, movement, body awareness, vocal awareness. Um, and then, you know, learning how to be, play all these different kinds of parts, um, and all the plays you're doing, you know, all the parts are filled from college students. So, you know, sometimes you're playing an old man and sometimes yeah. you're playing, a, you know, a young woman, you know, who knows? Um, but the second you start auditioning for roles professionally, uh, you're only going to be seen for roles that you physically look like. Right. Um, and uh, and so it's really important uh, to quickly learn, if you haven't already, um, how to be you. you right. Know, or so some how do you do version that? of you? Where do you begin with that? Well, it takes practice. You know, we used to do an exercise. It was in like one of the very beginning acting classes. Um, in fact, I didn't even take this acting class. Uh, um, mm -hmm. I uh, was observing, I think, my senior year. One of the grad students was teaching it. And it was just as simple as everybody got in a circle. Um, and instead of like being crazy and dancing like a tree or whatever, yeah. <laughs> like across, it right. was literally, it was just walk across, like just walk uh, from point A to point B, just, just you, like just don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Just walk from what, you know, and you, you would be surprised how <laughs> difficult that can be. Because you, you know, become self-conscious of what you, you 
Exactly. You're right. You become uh-huh. self-conscious and you feel like you should do something. I mean, and especially mm-hmm. for a bunch of theater kids who've kind of grown up in their, you know, theater schools, all of, you know, high school and stuff all over. It's all about being big. It's all yes. about the jokes and getting attention and, you know, to let all of that go and just be in the yeah. moment is a very difficult thing for a lot of people. Um, but it's it's super, super important. And that carries through forever. Just being, just be there. You don't have to do anything, particularly when you have a camera on you, right? And particularly right. when it gets, when it's time for your close-up, you don't have to do a lot. You just yeah. have to be there and be present and alive in the scene. Right. Um, and so, but so much, yeah. you know, I think some people, they, they greatly underestimate how difficult acting is because it looks like make-believe and, you know, whatever. We're just, you're having fun on the camera, but to be in the moment, especially when, the cameras are on you and everyone's watching in yeah. go hurry up and go because we've all we've been set up the scene for half hour and we want you to shoot it now and uh and it's so hard to stay in the moment i think so how do you stay in the moment when you become conscious that you're acting um uh, uh now like if i become conscious that i'm acting now mm-hmm. i'll just stop you will um, often i'll just stop and say can we start over can we just go back to the top because for whatever reason you know like um and then go again Mm -hmm. because if i'm not if i'm thinking of if i'm conscious and you know then i'm not in the scene right then you know it's not going to work and they're not going to be able to use it so uh, i would just stop and go back it's i mean it's the great advantage of film right Uh, right but you don't do you but you do much theater anymore because that's different when you're on stage I only feel like benefits and things, you know, for years. I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. getting, we're rehearsing for one this weekend. We're doing the girls' benefit to raise money for breast cancer research. Uh-huh. So um, it's one show. It's one show. Like I, uh, I mean, for me, I've been, you know, we've, we've been a single income family of five for mm-hmm. 20, almost 23 years. Yeah. Um, so with that, like I've, I haven't been able to afford to, to go and do theater. Right. Um, but I miss it. I love it. Um, I, I did two weeks during um, uh, 10, 14 years ago. Um, I did two weeks in Spalding Gray Stories Left to Tell in New York off Broadway. You did, uh, Really? So you were, you, were yeah. you were Spalding Gray. I mean, it's a one man yeah. show, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like a, it's a one man show split into five different like personalities, right? So uh-huh. it's different parts of him. Um, and so the business part, uh, they would swap out celebrities every two weeks. And so um, I came in to do that for two weeks. And it was the best. And it was, this it was, was in New best. York. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. At the how, that's Lincoln. amazing. Yeah. How did something like that come across? Come up, you know, how do you get that? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. I mean, it yeah. must have come through uh, my agents or my manager. I don't remember. I don't remember. Wow. Um, how interesting. Yeah, like, because like you, now, mm-hmm, yeah. well, I was just gonna say, like now, it's been so long that since I've done, like I, I've become told, like I, I'm so out of the loop of like LA theater in particular, which is kind of mm-hmm. more feasible for me at this point, right? Um, just because uh, you know it's close and easy. Like I don't even really know how to get back in. In fact, one of my my youngest was doing a summer theater camp at A Noise Within, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's close to where we are. So I was like trying to figure out. Um, I reached out to my manager. I was like, "Hey, you know, Amos Room is really close. Like, is there? Are they doing anything that would make sense for you know me to 
do something with them over there. They were like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a great idea. And they never heard anything. So like, I just emailed them my photo mm-hmm. resume with a letter and I never heard anything back. So I literally like, I don't even know how to approach getting cast yeah. in theater anymore. Because your agent, there's not enough money for your agent to work, to work they, on it. Yeah. They, it's like, they couldn't be less interested. I, I'm always curious how how that works because we just saw a show at the Pasadena Playhouse and I was like, well, how do these actors, yeah. you know, how do they, right? uh, yeah, how do they? If you find this? out, let me know. Pasadena <laughs> yeah. Playhouse also right down the street. Yeah, It'd be amazing. Yeah, there's always some, but then again, you would have to commit to something, and during that time period, let's say it was two months, you can't take other work. You know, yeah. you've committed, and something yeah. big could come along. Who knows? You know, I mean, maybe, but you know, that also like that is. You know, you live with that fear mm-hmm. all the time, no matter what. Even, um, what do you mean? Even if you're on a show, you mean? Well, not if you're on a show, because then you're working. Well, then right. you worry about the show being canceled, and then, then you know, that you're never going to work again. Yeah. But but when you're not working, well, like, this brings up two thoughts. One is there's a fear of taking something that's not the big thing. Mm-hmm. Because you're afraid that if you do this smaller thing, mm-hmm. that it's going to conflict with the big thing that might be just yeah. around the corner. Yeah. You know? um, and the other thought that it brought, that it brings up is for, is I talked with so many actors over the years um, who are not working and are really struggling mm-hmm. um, and uh, feel paralyzed. Uh, about going to try and do anything else because there's this intense peer pressure that well you can't quit you can't quit now that your 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 moment it might be just around the corner it might be the next audition you mean you quit you, Hollywood and do something for a different career yeah go do something go do something else you know like you gotta hang in you gotta hang in and, and it's like I feel like if there's a it's a really difficult um, yeah. balancing act. Because the truth is that this business is really, really hard. Yeah, um, no, yeah. You know, to go back to the strike, like it's gotten increasingly difficult to the point where it's almost impossible as an actor um, to make a living, to be able to raise a family, to be right. able to put your kids through college. You know, and like those kind of life things that that are important to so many of us. Yeah, um, and that, I know, so, and that's why you fight, and it, that's why you fight, yeah. and that's why it's so. Like people think, well, so what for actors? But the problem is if, like you're saying, if actors can't make a living in between, okay, that's you're, you, or you're starring in a show, that's great. But the show will probably get canceled after one season. But yeah, you still need to keep a, t- a healthy talent pool of actors who can continue to keep a living yeah. because if they can't, they're yeah. going to leave. And then how are you going to yeah. cast as writers and producers? How do you cast this part if, there, if there's not a healthy talent pool? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Like you can't, like this, we can't continue paying the stars these massive 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 amounts of money yeah and having everybody else working on these tiny little minimums because it's yeah. just it's unsus- unsustainable you know the, the the best and the brightest of us uh that haven't won the lottery yeah. um are gonna go do other things because there's more to life and you know like you can be an actor without pursuing it as a career yeah you know so but i haven't had I haven't heard those those notions come up because I've at all. Maybe I'm I'm not just tuned in, but the idea of well, maybe we're paying the stars too much or like that has that been a discussion at all? I mean, I have that discussion. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, 
Well, yeah, because it's not that like it's um. Well, certainly for me, and kind mm-hmm. of uh, not so much from my personal experience, but just from my kind of bleeding heart observations mm-hmm. of this business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you see like movies, it's why, like I've said for a long time, the only way now to make a living in this business is if you're a movie star or a series regular on a TV show. Yeah, yes, I agree. It's with the that. only way yeah. because yeah. all of the supporting cast, none of the supporting cast makes enough money to to make a consistent living in this business because your stars yeah. get massive amounts of money. Everyone else is working scale. Yeah. And yeah. the minimums have not risen nearly enough um, to make it enough. And the stars, you know, well, this is the excuse the studios use, right? Is that they're paying the stars so much there's no money left right. to pay anybody else over scale. So no one else can negotiate over scale. Right. Um, and in TV, uh, it's a similar thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, it just makes it very uh, difficult. It just makes and it not only that, LA, LA has always been an expensive city to live in, but now it's yeah. crazy. It's like crazy. I can't afford, if I hadn't bought my house when I did, I couldn't even come close to affording this house. And it's the, I, yeah. I have a middle class house. There's nothing special about yeah. it. Um, yeah. 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 It's yeah. So these are, and so these are the issues that, that actors are fighting over. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. an important struggle. It's so interesting. Where do you, when you hear your friends or colleagues thinking about leaving, do they tell you what they want, what they're going to do or what they want to do? It's such a hard thing when you're middle age. Like, what are you going to do? Right. No, yeah. it's true. It's true. Uh, uh, no, I have some friends that um, have gone into teaching. Okay. Um, I've got, I think, yeah, no, most of like my actor friends are still around. I've got, I have one friend who uh, started a business ages ago and still uh-huh. runs that business while she's worked, you know, periodically as an actor yeah. throughout all of these years. And she still works frequently. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like her main income is from her, this business that she created. Right. She's very entrepreneurial. So you got to be entrepreneurial, basically. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. I, I did a movie early in my career where we shot in Rarotonga and New Zealand. And okay. we had a, a, a lot of New Zealand actors were working on this film. And in talk, and some of them uh, were quite famous in New Zealand. They were working on this, this famous New Zealand TV show, uh, okay. like legitimate celebrities. Right. Um, but in getting to know them and talking to them, almost all of them had day jobs, like really? worked for the city, you know, like worked, right. you know, worked on construction crews, like worked like they have like yeah. full on day jobs. Some of them are entrepreneurs. Some of them worked in government. Um, and and that was a new idea to me because that hadn't been my experience here. Right. Um, but as the income inequality has increased so dramatically, it feels like that's where our business has been going. Right. Where, you know, like kind of everybody has to have another gig. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't used to be that way, and, and and I don't think that it has to be that way. Yeah, uh, I so I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely yeah. It's it seems very unfair. It doesn't seem well. I mean, I guess all things fair about being an actor. But being an actor has always been a pursuit of like, well, is there anything else you could do than choose that? But um, true. It seems like now it's like I don't know what what what, what do you do? What do you recommend then for people? young kids or kids, whatever, 20 year olds who considering getting into the business. 
Yeah, I mean, it kind of all it, the, that advice I think is evergreen. That if you mm-hmm. can go do something else as a career, mm-hmm. ab- absolutely do something else as a career. You know, um, oftentimes the advice I give is 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 when you're young, spend a lot less time thinking about what you want to be when mm-hmm. you grow up, and spend a lot more time thinking about what kind of life you want to live when you grow up. Right? Okay. What kind of like what kind of things do you want to do, mm-hmm. you know? And then you can find career paths that will allow you to live the kind of life you want to live. Um, and it becomes less obsessed with um, having a certain job. Well, I mean, that's something to, to consider. So like for you as a working actor, yeah. sometimes you'll be, um, you know, on location, you might be in a different city. Is that something you, you know, away from your family, which is hard, Growing as you were raising yeah. a family, very is that something yeah. you considered? Is that something you would reconsider now? You know, I had no idea. Uh-huh. I grew up in Fresno, California. My mom was a school nurse. My dad was an accountant. Um, right, they didn't know what to do with me, uh, <laughs> and I didn't know anything about the business. You know, like I, I wanted to be Fonzie. Yeah, um, right. yeah, yeah. Right. I, I didn't know. Uh, um, yeah, I had no idea. And so, you know, my first, and I was very fortunate, you know, I got out of school, I started, I got my union card in 1996, like the year I got out of school, mm-hmm. um, was booking occasional guest stars on things. My first job was one scene and, you know, in a movie with two big movie stars, big famous director. It was awesome. Wow. Um, and then, uh, and then I booked my first series just three years after school. And it was shot at Disney. You know, it was right. like 10 minutes away from our little place we were renting and, <clears throat> and, and then it was canceled. Right. And it came out of nowhere. Um, and then I was very fortunate again. I booked another series two weeks later, mm-hmm. but that one shot in Toronto. And wow. I had no idea what that meant. And we had, and this, I left to do that pilot six weeks after our firstborn son, our firstborn was mm-hmm. born. Right. Uh, so, you know, my wife and now had no idea what we, what we were doing. Suddenly I was, we had a newborn baby, six weeks old. Um, and then I'm gone for five weeks. Yes. Right. And it was extraordinarily difficult. I apologize. Um, something, something must be open and I have to shut it down because I someone's, I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. Uh, uh okay oh my god i thought everything shut but but yeah so uh um, to continue so that was you know that's heartbreaking you have a brand new baby and you're out of town you're you left yeah it's it was hard and like we didn't because we didn't grow up here right so we had no experience i don't know how to do this yeah um and no one was really kind of like explaining to us okay um, this is how you get through this. These are the different ways you can do it. These are the options. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have anybody giving, I didn't have like a mentor or somebody guiding me and how to do this thing. Like, but at any point in your career, did you, you must, cause you've worked with so many actors. You must've at some point found someone a little older and wiser. Right. I mean, well, the closest thing we had was, um, Anel had Stacy Winkler. Okay. Um, we, uh, it was really sweet because Anel used to sit next to, next to Stacey Winkler at every taping. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would just talk. 
and Stacy would give her advice. And it was great. Like one one week, Anel didn't come to the taping, and the next week, Stacy scolded her and was like, "You have to be here every week and let everyone know that that is your husband." <laughs> well, interesting, because I remember she came to I think every out of practice. Everyone. But why? Okay, everyone. so why is it what is it about staking your territory? What was that? I mean, or is just being supportive? What was? I it? think it, no. I think it was both, but I think partly like staking your territory because you know like. I was like the young guy on like the young, handsome guy on this yeah. show. And it's a CBS show. And it's, you know, and so uh, um, she was like, you need to be here. But then it was also, she said, but then, you know, he's the star here at work. You have to make sure that when you get home, the kids are the star, not him. Yeah. Right. Um, you have to like make it very it, clear. Was there a, is there, was there a difficulty for you? In, in, like, is it hard to go home and, you know, and not be the star? Or what was well, that like? Um, you know, I had gotten pretty good at it, certainly by then. But I would imagine looking back in the beginning, uh, like, it's hard. Like, it's kind of that, like, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, for, of course, like, can go to your head when you're um getting a little famous and mm -hmm. you're making some money and you know when you're at work you are catered to like mm -hmm. when you're one of the stars of the show you're catered to a hand and foot you know yeah. it's everything's taken care of i've described it as like series regulars are treated like fancy babies on set yeah yeah um don't upset the babies you need to keep them safe at all times <laughs> you need to keep them comfortable at all times yeah. you don't want them crying you don't want them cranky you need to keep them fully regulated because when everything's ready to roll we need the fancy babies to be able to perform and right. as soon as they're done we want them to go back to their cribs slash trailers um to um so that then you know the grown-ups can finish getting everything ready for the next shot and, and imagine um, giving this kind of pressure to a child actor i mean you know that's yeah. that's have you worked with many child actors yeah, many over the years. And, you know, and almost, uh, I can say without, with almost all of it, all, almost all of it's been a good experience. I haven't had mm -hmm. any total nightmares with child actors. Um, that being said, every parent that's asked us about getting their kid into the business, mm -hmm. um, we have always advised against it. Um, and we didn't, you know, encourage any of our kids yeah. to get into it. Yeah, it's interesting you know i haven't worked with many child that i just haven't been on shows with a lot of kids yeah but i i and i'm glad because i i have a feeling i would when a kid is messing around on set in between takes or just not doing their being professional because they're acting like children the way they are supposed to act right. in my mind i would be thinking stop fucking around i got this is work like i know yeah. that's what i would be yeah. thinking which yeah, would it's an awful thing to put on a child but that's what they're that's what you're paying them a lot of money to do. It's a hard position. It's a hard, you know, I don't know. I just, I just feel for those kids. I just feel like, you know, uh, yeah, you're, I, I know that's really, what I'll be thinking. Hopefully I wouldn't be saying it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really, it's difficult. It's very, I mean, sets are, you know, they're not really, they're not for kids. If they're in yeah. adult work environments. Right. Um, you know, uh, which, by the way, like some like adult working actors need to be reminded uh, occasionally that these mm -hmm. are adult working environments. This is yeah. not your personal playground. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a difficult environment for kids. I, I, um, I So, I, I mean, we need them. So I'm grateful that they're there. Right. I think that too sometimes. Sometimes I'll see an actor 
goofing around too much. And we're all ha, ha, being polite. I'm like, dude, yeah. th- 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 let's get out of here. Yeah. Right? The, yeah. All the crew wants to go home. <laughs> They've been working 12 hour days for the past week and a half. They yes. want to go home too. So, <laughs> well, let me tell you, this is one of the things where I, um, with every showrunner that, uh, that I've become friendly with, I, I uh-huh. highly encourage them, if at all possible, to bring their series regulars um, behind the curtain and like bring them to at least one production meeting, mm-hmm. like show them how the sausage really gets made, expose them to all of the other incredibly creative, mm-hmm. intelligent, like wonderful people who make up this team that makes the TV show or the film. Um, yeah. Because then they get to see, because as cast, especially as the stars of the show or the film, like you really are treated as if you are the most important cog, you know, yeah. in this machine. And it's really helpful, I think, and just for team morale, you know, if actors understand um, that they are a very important cog in that machine, but just one of the cogs in the machine. You said you learned this, I think, when you first were directing, you started directing episodes of the shows you want, right? Yeah, like I had a... I think, you know, like a basic actor's understanding of how things work on set. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and I'm not to blow my own horn. I'm generally a nice person. So like, I, you know, like I'm kind to people. Like I, I, you know, I, I'm nice to everybody on set. Like I learned people's names. I generally understood what people did, but only when I started directing, um, did I really feel, did I really understand, um, just like how, uh, incredible, um, the whole ensemble is and how yeah. much, um, you know, the, the rest of the team, you know, has to offer and is contributing, yeah. um, to the show or the film. Uh, uh it was just a, a level of respect that, like, I, I don't think I could really have until I was allowed behind the curtain to see how it was happening. And so what would you, you know, recommend? Would you recommend that every week one actor attends a production meeting? Is that what you're saying? Listen, that's one way to do it, uh-huh. right? Like, however however it works for that showrunner, for that production, I would just encourage them because I, I just feel like so often, and, and I think, I don't know if it's true now, but like I've talked to showrunners in the past that have talked about the show and the training program and about like the message they got was to keep your cast at arm's length really okay um, yeah and there certainly can be good reasons for doing that um i, I can understand uh, why um that sometimes makes the job easier certainly and sometimes maybe makes it possible but um i i just think there's more to gain um by bringing them in to mm-hmm. letting them see like you know really like meet the whole team and get to know the whole team and uh you know, because there's just, a, I mean, truly, you know, you see what the set designers do and, you know, you see what the costumers do and you see, you know, we get to understand like how lighting works and, you know what I mean? It's just, um, you know, how hard the ADs work on putting together the yeah. schedule and like learn why the schedule gets put the way it gets, you know, gets put together the way it gets put together. And, you know, once you understand it, then like maybe you're a little less mad about you know, having to be last in on Friday, two yeah. weeks in a row, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, like you see, it's like, they're not out to get you. They are trying to accommodate you. And 
you're not the only factor that is being accommodated. You're talking about the writers now. No, I was talking about like the 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 um, cast in regards to schedule. You know, cast. Oh, the schedule. Frustrated oh. about schedule. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, that's always yeah. right because that's yeah. that's that. I can see why that would be frustrating. So what happens? You, you yeah. know, you get a call sheet and you're told to come in whatever eight a.m. and they don't get yeah. to shoot your part until one p.m. and you're like, why okay. did they call me in so early? Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it just happens. It works out that way. You like know? Sometimes, it, yeah, they, they really, they're trying. They're trying. And sometimes yeah. it just doesn't work out. And like, you know, with the scripts, like with writers, uh, it's a similar kind of thing. It's like once you understand like how um, many chefs are in the kitchen of like mm -hmm. getting these scripts, these stories broken, and then these scripts written, like how many notes the writer has gotten about their script you know, from the studio and then from the network before it ever gets to the cast. You're making me and anxious just talking about it. <laughs> no <sorry>. joke. <laughs> sorry. But, you know, and then, like, that's why, as a cast member, when you then go to the writer and say, hey, can I ask you about this? Like, your yeah. writer looks like they're dying a yeah. little inside. Yeah. No. You know? No, I, I don't. I can't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's like, uh, so... Um, you know, like the like the best writers that I've worked with, you know, have always like been very organized about like how actors give notes. They're like, if we're doing table reads on a show, they'll be like, look, we're gonna do the table read. Everybody's got 24 hours to give whatever notes or feedback you've got about the script. And then after that, we're considering it locked. Please respect that. Like once you're on, you know, the whole yeah. with the idea being that you don't want to spend a lot of time on the day. Um, when you're there waiting to shoot, like talking about suddenly having, you know, questions about the scene and you yeah. know, asking it to be rewritten. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not the time. Yeah, it's um, not. And, be, and because we have to get next week's script and next week's script is a disaster. I'm telling you, it's in terrible <laughs> yeah, shape. Totally. That's how it always is. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to worry about yeah. this? What about the, 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 you know, the crashing plane out there? Yeah. That's going to be. Yeah. I remember, I have to share this. I can't remember if, we, if I mentioned this last time we spoke, but when I taught, one of my favorite experiences of working in Hollywood was when I was on out of practice. And I can't remember what I was doing. I think the showrunner, Chris Lloyd, had me, I think he had me deliver pages up to the actors. It was right, it was show night, right before the show. And I don't know why it was made, but for some reason, I remember carrying a couple of scripts to the, you know, to the dressing room, yeah. maybe an hour before the showtime. And you guys were all there, the whole cast, and Henry, yeah. you're all holding hands. And Henry's like, yeah. "Come on, in. Michael, come on in, come on, right?" And so, and, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, "What's going on over here?" And you're all just holding hands. And I'm, like, he goes, and he invited me in. I'm like, "But I'm a writer. What do you, what, what do you mean? No, grab some hands." And I'm like, so I, I remember taking whose whose hands I don't know, but I'm in the middle. I'm with a circle. I'm holding hands. I'm like, "What is going on here?" And then you guys did, I don't know what you would call it. But it was some kind of it's like a little like vocal warm up or something. Yeah. No, it was almost like a no. blessing. It was like a bless. It was almost What's like it? we're I here to I, I'm and I'm curious if you've done this since then. It was like we're here to support each other. We're gonna have a wonderful show. We're all oh, together. Man. We're a family. And it was like it was very it was almost spiritual. It was very Yeah. Um, I guess you haven't done that. You don't well, remember that this? was that I I remember doing that. I don't remember that specific moment, but I but mm. that was all Henry, you know. But that it was wasn't every Henry. week that you guys did that. Every week we did that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Every week it, it was our ritual. But Henry started was the ritual. Like before we went down um, to start the show, right? We would have this time just with the cast, or occasionally with a writer who'd come in. 
Um, I thought it was a beautiful like just, moment. I really did. It was, it was really great. The, um, you know, I'm, I, you know, on dramas, you don't do that because you don't have that moment where sure, you're all yeah. together about to go start the show. Like that's only right. happened to me on sitcoms. So maybe that's um, a theater thing then, do you think? For sure it's a theater thing. Yes, yes, yes. So before, so tell me, this happens on other in plays yeah. always before every show or before every night. opening night? Every yeah, night. I mean, of course, it depends on the show, right? It depends on who's there and like who's, but but yeah, thinking back, even when I was a kid in Fresno, like doing like local theater, there would always be circle up right before showtime. And, is that what they call it? Circ- some... Is there a name for this? Circle up? What is it? No, no, I, that's just what <laughs> I'm using. So there's no name <laughs> you, for it. You get in the huddle, you get in the huddle. <laughs> you but know, I really I, thought it was a, uh, I thought it was, I was, so, I was like a, I, I still remember it because I was like touched by it that that this oh, is something great. that you guys did to support each other so that you yeah. could hold space and feel safe in front of a crowd and yeah. know, uh, uh, you know, it was a very team thing. And I was like, wow. I, I, and I felt almost like I was invading it. I felt like I, do, I felt like I don't belong here because I'm not I'm on I'm not on stage with you guys. Um, but that's what I that's what I remember. It struck me. I, something else that always struck me. Was how well guest stars were greeted by the regular cast, because um, that's a very, very difficult position. You've been on both sides of that, right? Yeah, for sure. What's for that sure. like for on both sides for you? Um, I've worked on shows where I have, uh, uh, like, where series regulars never spoke to me. Um, like we were in a scene together, but outside of the scene, never spoke to me. So action, and this is the first time you're talking to them. Correct. I suppose um, that could be good if your characters are just meeting for the first time. But uh, is there? Sure, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> but you but know, no. we could. We're, we're professionals. Like we could pretend. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So, and, but that was pretty early in my career. I haven't had like now. I don't really have that experience um, anymore. But also, like I took it with me. Um, and I made it a point having had that happen once or twice mm-hmm. um, early in my career that once I was the series regular, I've always made it a point to never, ever do that. To um, always welcome the guest star and just absolutely greet them. It's a hard thing to say. I mean, think about it. It's the first day of school for them. Yeah. And you're walking into the, you don't know anybody. I mean, it's no, it's, <clears throat> no, you know, it's so uh, it's difficult enough. Right. Like yeah. you said, like, this is a difficult job. Yeah. Um, and uh, why make it harder on somebody who is coming in um, on the bottom of the rung of, you know, power at this show? Why why would you use the very real power that you wield? Yeah, it's, it is weird. It is real. Yeah. Why would you wield that to make someone who's on your team, mm-hmm. right? Like uncomfortable. Why well, would you? I, but there are. We know these actors. I'm the star. And you, sure. I want you to. I want to remind you. It's like, dude, we 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 yeah. know. We know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There are people like that. I feel like that's the exception. It happens. Oh, really. But I feel like it's the exception. Interesting. Um, yeah. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my content, and I know you do because you're listening to me, I will email it to you for free. Just join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos of the week. These are for writers, actors, creative types, people like you. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you. And the price is free. You got no excuse. To join, 
Go to michaeljammin.com slash watchlists. And now back to what the hell is Michael Jammin talking about? One thing we also spoke about, which was very interesting to me, was what are they? I don't know what they call now. I guess they're, are they, what do they call? They call sex coordinators. What is the role for those people? Oh, intimacy coordinators. Intimacy coordinators. And, but you mentioned that they have other functions. It's not just when a, you know, two people are lying in bed half naked. It's also for, for. So the way that I describe it to people who've never heard of intimacy coordinators is everyone's familiar with stunt coordinators. Right. So stunt coordinators are brought onto a set to keep actors physically safe. Mm -hmm. Right. Intimacy coordinators are brought onto a set to keep actors emotionally safe. Um, and this so, is a relatively new thing, maybe what, five yes. or 10 years or something? Maybe yes. less, right? Yes, new. And and we're pushing to make them required. But part one of the hurdles before we can make them a requirement, like a stunt coordinator is required, mm-hmm. one of the hurdles is actually getting enough intimacy coordinators qualified, like trained and qualified to do this. Are job. most of them... Uh, yeah, are they are they are they therapists, counselors? What are you? What's their training? Do you no, think? I think a lot of them come from the acting corps. Really, really, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, because you so, mentioned it's not just that; it's yeah. also like if you have two characters yelling at each other in a scene, no sex, they're just yelling at each other. That an intimacy corps will talk to you afterwards, right? Yeah. So here's a couple like things that like we did. Um, uh, I'd worked uh, on a show where we had a scene. It was it was a sexual assault scene. No, mm-hmm. no, but there were no clothes. There was no nudity, um, you know. And things stopped before things progressed to the point where we were like physically um, uh, exposed. <clears throat> but like that kind of scene, you're very emotionally exposed, right? Right. <clears throat> um, and this was my first time working with an intimacy coordinator. I didn't really know what to expect. So there was uh, part of the conversation was okay, like you know, for instance, uh, uh, it's written in the script that. Uh, like the the other character is going to reach down and grab your groin, right? Right. And I talked to the director, and the intimacy coordinator is saying, "I talked to the director, and the director wants to see that." He said, "You know, are you comfortable with that? Here's what we have to protect you. We have like a piece that's going to go, you know, between your pants and your underwear to protect right. your groin. Um, and so when she grabs you, like that's all she's grabbing, right? You know, it was like, okay, like great, that's super helpful, actually, like." Great. Like, I've never had that before in a scene like that. And it's like, nice. It makes me, me feel more comfortable. Certainly makes her feel more comfortable because who wants to do that? Right. Nobody, you know. Um, but then uh, after the physical parts of the discussion, um, then she the conversation shifted. And she said, um, another thing that I've done with a lot of actors who've done scenes like this mm-hmm. is I would recommend that you put together a self-care routine for the end of the day. I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, it could be anything, like whatever is going to be comforting to you. Some people, you might, you know, make a, put things together so you can draw a bubble bath when you get home. You might put together a playlist of music that makes you feel good. You know, it might be pictures of your kids, could be like whatever it is that, you know, is going to give you comfort if you need it at the end of the day. Because, you know, you never know what scenes like that might trigger. Um, You know, and that's the, the thing is like, uh, you know, you, you write scenes like this and it's necessary for the story and it works as appropriate for the characters. But you, you never know what the actors as people, like what their life experience has been. And they yeah. may have in their real life been through an experience like that. And so then reenacting it, you know, uh, it can be very triggering. 
Um, and it's the thing about acting, you know, when you're doing these emotional scenes, be it anger or big, mm -hmm. you know, crying emotion that, um, that uh, your body doesn't know you're pretending. Exactly. Exactly. You know? So like you mentally, you know, well, this is pretend. None of this is real. We're on a set. It's not about, you know, crew members mm -hmm. and friends. And, but your body doesn't know the difference. Once right. you're experiencing those emotions, you are experiencing those emotions. Right. And, and you never know what it's going to bring up. So that, you know, that kind of care, like emotional care, I thought was really uh, great. Um, but and, and it's like you're you'll you'll do that just so people are aware. If you have a scene where you're screaming and yelling or or uh, sexually assaulting someone or whatever, yeah. and your adrenaline is pumping and your your hormone, your, whatever your um, uh, not hormones, but uh, your cortisol, cortisol's <laughs> yeah, racing, sure. whatever, all this stuff yeah, is going yeah, through your yeah. head, and you, your body doesn't yeah. know, it, and you're doing this scene a dozen times, mm -hmm. and it's very hard to. I feel it's hard to must be hard to wash that out out of your system. Can be. Yeah, it can be. I mean, that's the thing. And it's different for everybody, right? Like, um, you know, like I ended up, I was okay at the end of the day. Like I was exhausted, mm -hmm. but like I felt okay. But I was glad that I put some thought into if I'm not feeling okay, here's what I'm going to do. It's going to help me feel better. Right. You know? And just having thought about it, I think just helped. Now, because I, I, I don't think I've ever worked with an intimacy coordinator you know, because in comedy we don't really do a lot of that. But um, yeah, yeah. is it is it always like a sexually charged? Is that what the line is? Because it's not just drama. It has is there always has to be some kind of sexual element when they're brought in. Is that what it is? Um, uh, uh, that's certainly how it started, and I think now it's it's kind of. I mean, it's one of the things is like it's still new, right? Like we're right. figuring out like when it's certainly on the sexual stuff. Um, uh, um, you know, it was interesting. We had a. There was a resolution. I think it was a resolution that's going to be coming up at the convention. Like, there's lots of talk conversation about intimacy mm -hmm. coordinators, but there was some conversation um, that I hadn't, I that had never crossed my mind. But once I, I was talking to someone about it, I thought, yeah, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Is bringing in intimacy coordinators when you're working uh, physically with children? Physically so, with children. Yeah. So for instance, you know, like you're playing a dad, right? And yeah. you're working with kids and you're getting in bed and cuddling with the kids at bedtime, or you're putting, yeah. you know, your daughter on your lap to have, you know, because they had a rough day and you're cuddling and have, you know what I mean? And yeah. you're having physical contact with kids to have an intimacy coordinator there just to make sure because again you don't know yeah what people's experience has been to but to protect the kids yeah um so that there's a conversation and there's somebody there watching and i thought you know what that's that's a, a great idea yeah that is a really smart idea yeah because yeah, we don't know what these kids have been through we don't know uh Ooh, it, yeah you know, and again like you know most most actors like mm -hmm. most people in the world are caring kind you yeah. know and certainly empathetic that's their whole yep, job that's the job you know but uh you know just like in any other profession like you know there some people you know uh, um need help you know some people uh don't always have the best intentions and some people don't always behave well and so I mean, you know it's important um so yeah i thought that was just such a a good idea uh, we also I, I totally agree we also yeah. spoke about how you handle it when you are working with an actor who maybe isn't as professional or prepared as you are in the scene. 
and, and what and what you do. I think I thought it was interesting what you had to say. Um, uh, okay, so like huge pet peeve for me. It's like no, you're. It really bugs me when you're working yeah. with someone who hasn't bothered to learn their dialogue. Yeah. Um, so that's a huge no-no. Um, but then sometimes um, you're working with an actor who just isn't great, you know, yeah. who just for whatever reason um, isn't great. Yeah. Uh, so I, my um, uh, strategy for dealing with that is I just uh, basically start acting to an X. Like I just don't, like if they're, like whatever they're giving me is just bad. Yeah. Like I just, what I know is that the editor is going to cut around the bad performance and they're going to use me. So it's even more important for me to stay completely engaged in the scene. And that's, it's like, it's a, it's an extra level of acting challenge because then you're, you're acting. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's like working like on one of the superhero movies or something where it's, you know, mm -hmm. you just start treating them like a tennis ball. Um, that's and you yeah. do the scene regardless, like, cause, cause your performance, you can't let them affect your performance. Your but that's performance interesting. has to be there. But let's say you were working with a casting director, because sometimes I've worked with many, obviously many cast, and some cast directors, mm -hmm. they'll read with you, and some of them are not great actors. No, reading bad. Yeah. And then you have to, as an actor, you were trained to react and to right. what they give you. But how do right. you deal with it when they're not giving you Man, enough? It is, it's it's really hard. You know, in in and it's one of the it's one of the nice things about this whole self-tape yeah. resolution is that's yeah. kind of taken out of it because you have you, you know you've got hopefully you, you have someone working with you that's going to give you something and, and right you know if not you can do multiple takes and send the best one right? <clears throat> right but it was always one of the most difficult things about auditioning in the room is when you are and, there, and i've heard so many horror stories i've experienced just a couple but you know when you're doing your audition and the person you're reading with uh is garbage and and so much of it becomes it's not like how convincing the reading is for me it was always a rhythm thing yeah it was like they just aren't listening right and so the rhythm gets completely screwed up and yeah it, it's like wow. i always so feel hard. for actors when they have to do it's like how do we, like you, yeah. you know we have a crappy director sketching director it's like well what do you, so I, you know, or you so, look up and the casting director's like on the phone, you know, well, that's even like worse. eating but, lunch and not looking. But like, if you've prepared a scene and you're know in this moment you're going to be hot, you're going to be yelling, and the and yeah. the actor, the casting director is not giving you enough for you to get angry at. Yeah. Like, so you just you're saying you just blow, go ahead and do it the way you prepared, <laughs> even yeah, though if the scene, even but yeah, but then it looks like you're yeah. almost looks like you're crazy because you're getting angry and the casting yeah. director is <laughs> at the lunch. You know, yeah. no, it's just something you got to deal because with. Because that's the scene. And they're probably, you know, even when you're in the office, usually they were recording it, right? So, like, all they're going to see is it's your you. side. Okay. So, you have to do it. That's good advice. Yeah. I remember, this is years ago, we did a scene. We had, we had this very famous actress. Actress, she was older. And, yeah. you know, we booked her and she came for the role. And it was exciting to have her on set because she was very famous. But she was... Yeah. She should not be working. I don't know. Her yeah. agent should not have booked her because I've had know, an experience like that. Too. Really? Yeah. So early, maybe she was had so dementia. Or, it was, I felt terrible because she had, 
she clearly had dementia or early yeah. signs of dementia. And so she literally couldn't remember one line. So you'd feed her the line. And even still, she couldn't remember it half a second later. And I just felt she, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, she's struggling here. She's probably feels very embarrassed, very lost, very scared. Why did her agent send her out for this book? Maybe because she needed the insurance. I don't know. Yeah. But it was a horrible situation. I felt bad all around. Yeah. It, yeah. I've worked with an actress who's in a very similar situation. And we have, they had the, they went to cue cards and they just did it line by line. Even with cue cards. I, I wanted to bring cue cards. The director said, I don't want to bring cue I was like, what are you doing, dude? We This is awful. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I lost like, that fight. Did, I thought we needed a cue card. shot her side line by line, and then I just did my side to an X. Yeah, yeah. That that's it's so interesting. That's one of the realities of, of yeah. being on a TV show. You know, but totally. And it's you know, it's one of the. But it, you know, also it, it, why it's so important to, um, not to get. Yeah, just to do at the end of the day, like you be responsible for your performance mm -hmm. um, yeah. and make sure that you're giving the best performance that you can give. And, you know, you can't control the other stuff that's happening. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then as an actor, you know, then trust your director and your camera operators and your VP that they're going to take care of you as best that they can and your editor, right? But, you know, it doesn't yeah. behoove anyone to make you look like an idiot, you know, yeah. unless you're supposed to look like an idiot. Right, right. Um, you know, are your kids to make the show good? Are your kids getting into acting? Or have they expressed no. any? No, <laughs> you said with relief. No, <laughs> not in the arts at all. No, no, we had to, no. Because your wife was an actor. I mean, I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah I'm surprised yeah. that you know there's not that pull. Oh. No, we have. Well, my my oldest son uh, is autistic. You know, like mm -hmm. he um, you know, finished high school and now he's got a part time job, like pharmacy down the street. He's doing well. Right. And, um, you know, his younger brother is studying business, you know, wants to go into real estate. Oh, good. Like, you know, like he's <laughs> oh, good. just, right? It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, and then our youngest uh, loves to sing, has a beautiful singing voice. Um, but he, uh, um, yeah, no, isn't really interested in right. going into business. Um, which is fine like uh, you know we've never put any pressure on them well either. sure and and had they had a passion for it you know we would be supportive but it's just not you know where their hearts take them it's funny because they i'm sure they've come to set with you seen you do it yeah 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 it's um yeah they think it's boring they're like this is so boring you it is boring <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, like, yeah. There's a lot of boring on a set. I don't know. If it, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, super boring. They've never liked watching things with me in it because it's weird to see your dad not being your dad. Yeah. Um, also, they what another thing thinking about it, having just talked about Stacey Linkler a little bit ago, like I think part of the reason they don't like going to set is because it's set I am the star and not them. And so. Oh, like, interesting. That, that doesn't feel great either. It's way better right. at home. <laughs> you know? What is it like for you, though, when you're out in public? And the, I, I, fame to me is so, it's so interesting. How do you experience fame when someone comes up to you and they think they know yeah. you and they think and they want a piece of you? I, what, what does that do to you? Well, you know, I've been really lucky, I feel like, because I've kind of been able to walk the line. I've experienced being famous famous enough to have the paparazzi jump out and want to take my picture and talk to me. Uh -huh. 
Um, That's you know, a lot. Being, That's a level of fame I don't think anybody would want to have. Yeah, you know? but it, but like never to the point where it really got in the way. Okay, you know, it was just a few. There were some moments in my career where I was famous enough that the paparazzi knew who I was and would take my picture. And um, but um, but never famous enough that it really bothered caused you. problems. Right. You know, never famous enough where I needed security. Never famous enough where it got really inconvenient. But let's just say you're at a restaurant and someone wants to come up. They want to talk to you. They want to autograph. They want to meet you. Uh, yeah, I, you know, most of the time people people get it. Like, you know, uh, I'm usually out with my kids and my wife, you know, so like they understand if they're coming up and I'm with my wife and kids that it's, you know, a little awkward to for to, them to ask me to stop dinner with my family to, yeah. you know, talk pictures or take, you know, so that doesn't really happen. Oh, that's often. good. Because you I th cause think, I mean, Brad, I could see your family being like, oh God, we're trying to have a night. I'm, we're trying to be together. And There's been moments like that, especially for the kids. Like, I know that's it. It's always been fun. Like, you know, early in my career, it was weird because, you know, we were on a show and like, we couldn't go to malls because kids would chase us around malls. Yeah. Um, in the very really? beginning. Yeah, but then you know, as you get older, that happens less and less. And right, um, and then it's just been like sometimes it's surprising. Like my kids forget for a while. Like we'll go a while without getting recognized at all, and then uh -huh. um, you know, weirdly in Chicago, weirdly, I think the last show that I was on must have like lots of people watched it in Chicago, and so like suddenly, like anytime I'm in Chicago, I'm recognized all the time. And so it's like my kids remember, oh, right, that's on TV. Ugh. That was <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. You know? Uh, like when Ethan was starting high school was when uh, a, a very popular show with the high school kids had <laughs> just premiered. And uh, and that was actually really difficult for him. We've talked about it since. He, I don't, he didn't really reveal how hard it was for him. Uh -huh. But um, like last year, we were talking about it, and he was kind of opening up and said, "Yeah, no, it kind of it, it sucked. It wasn't great. Really, you were doing that show like while I was starting high school, and so everyone knew who I was, and everyone this, knew who you all were. his friends and kids, all the all the kids. Yeah, yeah. it's hard yeah. for and a kid. It was embarrassing. Yes, embarrassing. It was embarrassed. They were embarrassed that you were their dad. Oh. Yeah, yeah, really embarrassing." Yeah, well, because of the because of what that show, because of my character on the show, you know, for high school kids, it was just it was a, it was a lot. Like I was physically quite exposed on that show. Okay, and so it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Oh wow! That's you know, I did we did a show with these two guys, uh, Rhett and Link, and the, these were big YouTubers, and uh, I had we had I didn't. They were huge, right? And I didn't, yeah, yeah. I hadn't heard of them. I didn't know them. Yeah. And then remember, we go for the meeting, and and one of them said to me, "You know, you wouldn't believe this, but I can't go to Disneyland without being swarmed because that was his crowd." Yeah. He's like, yeah. "I know you've never seen me before, but I can't go there without being yeah. <laughs> being swarmed." Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, um, yeah that was. Um, it's yeah, interesting that this. Go ahead, please. No, 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 no. It was just a dumb Disneyland story. Go ahead. No, I, I just, no, I, I wasn't. Well, the dumb Disneyland story was, was there was a period in my career where, you know, working on a certain show where, you know, we could not only go to Disneyland for free, but also we're given the guide and like the behind, you know, like we were okay. taken care of at right. Disneyland, you know, like a, like a celeb, like a celebrity. Yeah. Um, and so, which was funny because it was, so we did it a couple times, but I think, even just the second time we went to Disneyland, went Disneyland that way, uh -huh. um, like it's 
it's too much. Like, honestly, like it, it sounds great. And it's great the first time to be able to skip all the lines, do those, you know what I mean? But, but after that, it's like, oh, there's actually way less to do at Disneyland than you think when you don't have to wait in line for anything. <laughs> that's, just, that's so funny. <laughs> you kind of it's finish a, it a, all in four hours. And then yeah. You're like, oh. That's well, so, now what? Now what? what? Again? You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always curious. I am always curious about how people experience, because I'm around you guys and I, you know, how you guys experience fame and what is it like that, that parasocial relationship where people think they know you and they don't, they, they just know different. this part of you. It's different uh, for everybody. Yeah. It's di- like, I always feel like, you know, I like, you know, you, it must be like, am I giving you what, when people, someone comes up to you, is there that thought in your head where like, am I giving you what you wanted? Like you met, you just met me. Am I giving you what you wanted? Because I don't know what you wanted. And am I who you wanted me to be for five minutes? Oh, you that's know? funny. I don't think about it that way. I just try to be kind to people. Just you know? kind, uh-huh. Like I just try to be kind. Just be not, you know, like just be kind. That's all. That's really all I'm thinking about is just, um, because it, it listen, it, it could be worse, you know, like, right. It's not, right. it's not terrible um, for people to be happy to see you generally. Right. You know, that's not terrible. That's right. kind of nice. Um, can it be inconvenient? Certainly it can. Um, right. Well, but, I saw, a, a, I saw a clip of Eve Plum who played Jan Brady, right. And she was on yeah. the talk show. This is, this, this clip is probably 30 years old or whatever. Yeah. And someone in the audience said, can you just do it? Can you just say it? Can you say it? Right. And she's like, and we knew what she wanted. We knew, mm-hmm. we knew, everyone knew she wanted her mm-hmm. to say, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yep. 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 And she was like, I'm not going to say it. I won't say it. And yeah. uh, why not? And everyone was so disappointed. I'm, and I felt for her. I was like, yeah, yeah. because she I, she doesn't want to be your performing monkey now. And she doesn't, yeah. she's, she has, a, that was when she was 10, <laughs> you know? Well, that's the thing too. It's like, you know, there, there is a line. You can be kind and say no. Yeah. Right. Just being kind doesn't mean you're going to say yes to every request. But that sounds like something you've maybe had a long conversation with a therapist to, to come to Does that really? realization. Yeah. Like that's, that's so something funny. I would struggle with. Like someone would say, you know, you could be yeah. kind and still say no. Can I? Yeah. Am I allowed to? But 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 you're saying you came to this realization on your own. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I do see a therapist. That, and so so maybe I don't remember like having a, a, a breakthrough about that specifically. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, certainly, um, you know, uh, walking things through with a therapist can only help. Um, yeah. Also, I think being a dad um, mm-hmm. helps with that because like in parenting, like so much of the job is saying no. And that can be really hard sometimes, uh-huh. certainly for some people. Yeah. Um, but it's an important part of the job. Talk about how 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 important do you think it is? And I'm I for for you to like either. Well, okay. As a, as a writer, I think it's very important to spend at least some amount of time in therapy because if you don't know yourself, how could you possibly know another character? And I wonder if you feel the same way, same thing about acting. Oh, you know, I never thought about it that way. Really? Yeah. Not. Yeah. No, I never thought about it that way. But uh, it certainly um, can be helpful. I mean, for the same reason, right? Like it just. Uh, the, it, it's spending that time like thinking about uh you know and sometimes it's just you know it's taking that hour 
just thinking about the whys of things because you spend so much of your days reacting to everything. Yeah. Um, and and you know, taking the time to go, okay, why did this lead to this? Why did I do that when this happened to me? You know, and and as a person, it's gonna help you uh, stay more regulated and be just healthier in life. But yeah. also, yeah, for sure, like there's gonna be moments when you're gonna be able to understand a character better um, because you've maybe put some thought into like the why people do these things. Why people do, do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, I've been, uh, one of the things I've started doing during the strike is working as a substitute teacher. Really? Yeah. For like one of the public schools nearby? Yeah. Yeah. For how hard is that? How school. hard is that? Wait for elementary school. Elementary school and middle school. And middle school. Yeah. You won't. You don't have the balls to do high school, do you? <laughs> well, my kids at the high school. So okay. I'm, I've been banned from the high school, and also like <laughs> I do. I think I'm too recognizable to be at the high school. Okay. Like, it would be distracting. Right. So and whereas the middle school and the elementary school kids, they don't know. Anything. And what um, was so? What's that like? How, what is that like? Well, it's been great, actually. It's been great. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that, you know, you really see, or I really see, is just there's no such thing as a bad kid. Like, there's just no such thing, you know? So you kids see kids are, that are in pain, struggling in pain or whatever. That's kids, you... Yeah, listen, there's kids that act up. There's kids, huh. but what is that, right? They're begging for attention. Yeah. For so what do you whatever. do? So it depends on the kid, but it's a great lesson that I think like in talking about what we do, you know, and acting mm -hmm. and writing, it's a great lesson as to getting at like why are characters behaving the way that they're behaving, mm -hmm. you know, like in my career, I've played good guys and bad guys and everybody in between. And I'm often asked like, how do you play this horrible human being? It's like, mm -hmm. well, like part of the job is figuring out like why he's doing what he's doing because it makes sense to him, you know, either, right. either mentally or emotionally, <clears throat> like he's doing what feels right for him in that moment. And, you know, like you know, objectively we're looking at. It Do so you ask for help with that, with the, with the director or the actor? If you, if, you know, if you're struggling with that, why, why would I, why am I such a dick in this scene? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, sometimes it's an important conversation if you, if it doesn't make sense because also sometimes like frankly like the script hasn't got you there or like right. you know I ha I can't see it you know it's like can you like I I don't this doesn't feel justified can you help me like connect the dots so funny just as I was saying that we we ran this show with Mark Marin the comedian and yeah. the show was based on his life and so we did this one we wrote this one scene where he's giving a speech it's at to uh he's getting out of rehab and he's giving his goodbye speech or whatever. Yeah. And the speech that we wrote for him was so ungracious. He was being a real jerk. It was like, goodbye. You're all good. Luck. I'll <laughs> see you here in three weeks. Cause you know, you, everyone, you're all going to relapse. He was such a jerk. <laughs> and right before we're shooting it, Mark comes up to me, he goes, I don't understand why I'm such a dick in this scene. And I'm like, uh Oh, how do I break this to you? Cause it's based on your life, Mark. And I go, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's because Mark, sometimes you can be a dick. And I'm like, oh, here we go. He's going to punch me in the face. He's going to punch me. And he just looks at me. He gets me. He goes, okay, got it. He's like, okay, fair. <laughs> it was, that's it all up. he needed. Okay, got it. Yeah, I could do it. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I see it now. Yeah. 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 It was like, 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been really, yeah. So you know, like it's like, and um, you know, one of the things that like coming up in IT school, you know, when you go through, you learn all these different techniques. You know, the Meisner technique, yeah, method acting, and Strasberg, um, Uta Hagen, and all this stuff, right? Um, and so much of it, uh, you know, so watch people. Mm-hmm. You know, watch people, listen to people, listen to how different people talk, listen to how people talk about the same thing, watch mm-hmm. how people move. And so, you know, it's been one of the just kind of unexpected blessings about being around these kids. Yeah. It's just being exposed to an entirely different group of little humans, mm-hmm. you know, who are um, so much, they, they have fewer masks on than adults right mm-hmm. so it's just it's really like easy especially as like a dad right coming in and like having been around it's um i feel like that's an advantage for me but just to see it's like oh i see yeah. what's happening here oh i see what's going on there oh that's so cool um, it's so fun i can see the same thing as a writer if i'm at a coffee shop you know yeah. when you're watching two people often people are not if they're sitting at the same table they're not having a conversation they're just taking turns talking which is different <laughs> Which is yes. different, right? Yes. You know. Yes. So different. <laughs> so different. Yeah. It's been, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like some when you see people, uh, you know, just they're not listening. They're just waiting yeah. for their turn. Yeah, they're waiting for their turn. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so fun about the, you know, the job. Wow. Yeah. Chris, yeah. we had a long talk. And I don't think, I think we maybe we bumped on only, we touched on like only a couple of things we talked from last time. And yet we, this is all new terrain. And you, you, I'm you so were, glad. Yeah, this it's, is. Um, I mean, well, you're easy to talk to, my friend. And, well, uh, you're you're a fantastic yeah. guest. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I learned. I learned so much. I rebranded the podcast basically. It was because I wanted to talk to more people. It was originally it was about screenwriting, but I really wanted to talk yeah. to artists, basically people who I yeah. whose work I admire. You for sure are one of them, and just about Absolutely. how they. I don't know what's it like to be an artist and how, you know, and how to approach your, your work. Cause I know you take it so seriously and I have so much admiration for that. Um, Man, it's, you know, it's the greatest job in the world. It's yeah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and it's a job that it matters. Yeah, you know, it, it does. Matters. I've said that and people, yeah, I made a post about that and I don't know, people, I, I don't know if it was well received, you know, well, because of like, it doesn't matter, but it does matter. It, no, it, it really, storytelling is yeah. one of just the founding pillars of our society and of community. Like storytelling is so mm-hmm. important. It is yeah. how we see ourselves. It's how we learn how to behave and how we mm-hmm. learn about other people because it's how we get outside of our own, like yeah. pers- our own lived experience. Yeah. You know, and can experience the lived experience of others. It's vital. Yeah. And um, stories connect us. And now more than yeah. ever in this country, we need something that connects us. We're so divided, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know. Um, you know, it's one of those things that helps us feel less alone. Feels less, exactly. Yeah. Feel that. Le- yeah. And the world can be a very lonely place. And so, right. yeah, no, I'm, I'm very, um, I've been very, uh, like I wonder when people's even for, but I wonder when people, when I say this and they don't recognize the value of the arts, and I say it helps yeah. us feel less alone, I, and they don't, they can't get there. They can't. Yeah. I wonder is it because they're just, they're just alone. I wonder if they're so alone Maybe. they can't even get there. You know. Maybe. Yeah. Sometimes. You know. Sometimes. But like it's a, you know, I, I, problems 
community is just the most important thing. Like strong communities yeah. lead to happier people, lead to less crime, yeah. lead to, you know, just happier lives. Like community is so important. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's one of the very important ways that we can um, help build communities by, you know, sharing our stories with each other. Yeah. And, or, you know, sometimes just like, fucking you know laughing about something like needing to sit down and like laugh about something or get excited or get swept away to you know another world or you know um it can be anything but it's uh i mean it's as vital it's as old as the species right yeah and when people come home but often people come home for a long day of work hard day of work what do they do they'll turn on the tv even if they're not going to watch it just so they don't just to feel less alone you know yeah 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 yeah. it's um no it's um i'm I'm very proud of um, so much of the work that i've been able to do yeah so grateful to be allowed to do it and yeah um, you know it's like i just uh I, i really uh look forward to getting back to work um as soon as uh, our friends at the ANPTP can uh, bring themselves to give us the deal that we need to make to get back. By the time this yeah. airs, I hope, because I have a little bit of a lag, I hope it's done. But like we're, you know, some people are thinking, well, maybe it'll get done this weekend. You know, there's some optimism. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Well, if Chris, not, we'll see yeah. you on the picket lines, my friend. Uh, oh, for sure. And you were there for sure. The writers right from the beginning. But I want to thank you for, again for sharing your time so generously because uh, this was a great talk. I think this is going to help a lot of people. Help me. So uh, Anytime, man. thank you again. Chris Gorm, round of applause. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> so now we all know what the hell Michael Jammon's talking about. If you're interested in learning more about writing, make sure you register for my free monthly webinars at michaeljammon.com slash webinar. And if you found this podcast helpful or entertaining, please share it with a friend and consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. That really, really helps. For more of this, whatever the hell this is, follow Michael Jammon on social media at Writer, And you can follow Phil Hudson on social media at Phil A. Hudson. This podcast was produced by Phil Hudson. It was edited by Dallas Crane. And music was composed by Anthony Rizzo. And remember, you can have excuses or you can have a creative life. But you can't have both. See you next week.